Good morning. Welcome. I'm so glad to see you guys this morning. Morning, morning. How is everyone today? Say hi to someone. We're going to get started. Our God is good and he is worthy of our worship. Amen. All the kids, they're going to be up with us during worship and then they'll head downstairs after that. I'm just going to start the service with a psalm here. I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all of my fears. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, I prayed and the Lord listened. He saved me from all of my troubles. For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his godly people. For those who fear him will have all they need. Even strong young lions sometimes go hungry, but those who trust in the Lord will not lack no good thing. Come, my children, and listen to me, and I will teach you to fear the Lord. Does anyone want to live a life that is long and prosperous? Then keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. His ears are open to their cries for help. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. He will erase their memory from the earth. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all of their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each and every time. For the Lord protects the bones of the righteous. Not one of them is broken. Calamity will surely destroy the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be punished. But the Lord will redeem those who serve him. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. So if you're ready, let's just stand and worship the one who was and is and is to come, the one who deserves all of our worship, the one who we find our refuge in because he is worthy, because he is good, because we honor him in all that we do. Hallelujah.
Till every dark addiction starts to break Declaring there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus Your name is power Your name is healing Your name is light Break every stronghold Shine through the shadow Burn like a
eventually, after 600 years in the wilderness, they had to go there to find the promised land. But if they would have stayed, they would have missed on the better. And it's time to move forward. It's not time to stay in your comfort zone any longer. It's time to go to where he's calling you to be. And let's be a church that doesn't strike the rock, but we tap it. We do exactly what he calls us to do. And this song is all about that. It's all about knowing. If we would have known what we know now, if we would just call on the name of the Lord, the one who is our refuge in our fortress, he will be the one to help. And I'm just going to pray. Lord, I pray that we would be a people who is always striving for what you are calling us to do that we wanna seek and remember the old things and long for the old when you are calling for us to be something better, when you're calling our family to move forward, when you have more things in store for us, Lord. I pray that we would be a people who search for the completion that is found in you and you alone, Father. I was living my life on a windy road. I was living for sin and I didn't know. My eyes were blinded from the truth. If only I knew what God could do. But God, who is rich in mercy, God, who is great in Yes. 
Amen. It's good to have you this morning. I know they're getting kids checked in to Kids Church. We'll give them a second to get that done. But it is good to have you this morning. So if you have an offering, tithe and offering envelopes and chairs in front of you. If not, uh, one of the ushers has one. They also have prayer request cards. So if you have a prayer need, they have a card that looks like this. Ask for one of those. We'd love for you to fill that out and join together with you. Uh, in prayer for whatever your prayer need is. You can give that back to the ushers or give it to me. And uh, we, we'd love to uh, just jump in on prayer and believe that God will do. How many believe that, that all things are possible for those who believe? Who believes that? So, so we pray. So if you have prayer needs, please put those on that card and get that to us, and we'll join with you in prayer. So if you're filling out your, uh, your tithe and your offering, we appreciate your faithfulness. As God is faithful to us. How many of you have a story, or maybe more than one story, how the faithfulness of God has helped you in a time of need? Who has stories like that? Everybody does. Amen. And tithe and offering is a response to his faithfulness. If we say God is faithful, there is a response from those who believe that shows up in so many different facets and areas of your life, and giving is one of those. And all the things that God teaches us by the things he asks of us. Obedience in our life teaches us more than just the act of obedience itself. 
He's building things in you. So when you do something like give of your tithe or give of offering, when the Lord puts things on your heart above your uh, tithe of your increase of your life, it's not just the act of obedience that's good, but there are things in your life that are being built in you that are kingdom things. And, and a lot of times it goes well beyond our understanding in the moment, but obedience opens us up for God to do beyond what we know that he's doing. Amen? So as you give today, it is a life of faith that you're living. Responding to his goodness, responding to his faithfulness, our, our giving is an act of worship, but it's also growing in us some things that are important to him. Amen? All right, so let me pray over that. So if you have something this morning, you can bring it down uh, front. Lord, we thank you. As we continue our worship today and our giving, Lord, we know you are so good and you are so faithful. And we thank you for the so many different times you've shown up in ways that only could have been you that doors were open or increase had come or a way where there seemed to be no way you opened it up. And we thank you for those times, Lord. But even beyond that, you are the source of all good things in our life, Lord. And we give today an acknowledgement of that. Our tithe, our offering is a worship unto you. And we pray that all that we're doing today is pleasing to you, glorifies you, because you are our God, Lord. And we thank you so much for being everything that you are to us. And we say that in Jesus' name. We all say, amen. So if you do have something, you can bring it this morning. Uh, as, as that's happening, some quick announcements uh, before we get into the word today. Don't forget, two weeks from today is our, our church picnic. So, uh, by the way, that is one big family Sunday. And generally this morning, our kids are, are not with us for worship on Sundays a lot. It just happened for uh, us this morning. But on that uh, last Sunday of July, the 30th, we not only have our church picnic, but it's also a one big family Sunday where the kids stay with us for the entire service. They help out with the service that day. We like to do that on the fifth Sundays of the year. So, uh, July 30th, one big family Sunday, then right afterwards, church picnic at the park here in town. And all we're asking is you bring a side dish and some desserts to share. We'll bring the main meal, and uh, we're just going to hang out, play some volleyball, and whatever else you want to do, and have a good time. So, anyways, July 30th, church picnic. Also, then the very next day, that Monday through Friday, is our serve week. So each night during the week, we have something that we're going to do to get outside of our church and get into our neighborhood and do some serving for uh, just people around us and really showing the love of Jesus by the things that we do, not just sharing the gospel, but doing something. Amen. So if you're interested in being part of Serve Week, there's sign-up sheets at the back uh, table. There's a table up against the wall. Uh, what's happening each night is on there. So sign up if you're interested in helping. And we're going to get outside this building and share the love of Jesus during that week. That's July 31st through August 4th. Also, don't forget, uh, we're beginning to collect school supplies. I know school seems like it just got over, but we're also kind of headed down the pipe to getting back in school in another month here. Uh, we love to, each year, as we did last year, collect school supplies for all the students in our church and just maybe help our families out a little bit. So if you're interested in doing that, there's a crate back there with a list on there of the things that families need for school. All you got to do is just go buy it, bring it, and throw it there, and uh, we will divide it up among the families uh, right before school starts. So it's just a blessing to them. And then last but not least, in August, we kick back off uh, Monday night church prayer. We also kick back off our small groups. We've been on break for the summer, but we'll let you know more details about that. But we encourage you to get involved in a small group starting next month and also back to Monday church prayer. And one more announcement, which I almost forgot. If I did, Patsy would give me the desk stare from back there. Um, 
Joy Fellowship. Don't forget Joy Fellowship. They're meeting, uh, let's see, next Sunday at 5 o'clock downstairs. It's, it's a bring some food, hangout time to get into the Word a little bit. It is for the seniors of our church, but they always tell me it's for everybody. So you want to show up in fellowship and have some food and some good time. Uh, Joy Fellowship's for you. Bill and Patsy, wave your hand around. This is one of the small groups that we have in our church. You can see them for more details. All right. So... I want to tell you something. Everybody look at me. I want to tell you that I believe in you. And maybe you don't hear words like that too much from people. But I want to tell you that I believe in you. And I always say this when I say that, because you say, how do you, how do you say you believe in me? You don't really know me. Well, I believe in you because I believe in Jesus, and I know what Jesus thinks about you, so I believe in you. As I said Wednesday night, you're going to make it. And see, that's where I don't know because I don't know the details of your life and I don't want to know the details of your life. Pastoring is not being a private detective about your life. I don't snoop around on your social media. I don't dig around in your life. I don't do that. You come to me, we'll talk. But the other side of that, I'm not digging around after your life. It's not my job. But my job is to tell you because I believe in God I believe in you, and you're going to make it. So can I say that? We pray for you. We have great hope for you. So no matter what season of life you're in, keep going. You're going to make it. Amen? As a matter of fact, turn to your neighbor and say, you're going to make it. Let them know. Tell them, you're going to make it. Look around a little bit. You're going to make it. By the way, if you're watching a live stream, that counts you too. You're going to make it too should be in church with us, but hey, that's another story. Um, glad you have us on live stream today. All right, John chapter 15 is where we've been uh, starting last Sunday. We're continue today and next week, maybe even one big family Sunday at the end of the month. John chapter 15 is uh, what is known the last of the seven great I am statements that we find in the gospel of John. The Gospel of John has, uh, what, again, the seven great I am statements. also has what are called the seven signs of John. There's certain purpose in the number seven and what uh, the author is doing and, and putting forth. But the great I am statements that we find, let me, let me tell you what they are. This is the, the last of, of the ones that John records. But I want you, my, my, my heart for you of, of many things is I want you to know and to experience Jesus in each of these facets of these statements. And they're statements that Jesus gave of himself that are great revelation of himself, that you kind of put them together like puzzle pieces or a painting. It gives you a big picture of who Jesus is, what he came to do, not only in fulfillment of the law and the prophets and the Psalms, but what he is offering for this world. The I am statements. I want you to know him this way. I want you to experience him this way. He said, I am the bread of life. He said, I am the light of the world. He said, I am the gate for the sheep. That, that's salvation. He says, I am the good shepherd, drawing on Psalm 23. Right before he raises Lazarus from the dead, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. 
and certainly one that, that everybody knows. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. All these great I am statements give a picture of who Jesus is. And I want you to experience him and begin to know him in this way. I want you to begin to know him as the bread of life and, and the light of the world and the resurrection and the life and all these things. Amen. But the last of the great I am statements is found in John chapter 15. So let, let's read here. Let's, we're going to read for a few moments. And he starts off with this statement. Here it is. I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser or he is the gardener. And every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. That's what we're going to talk about next week, by the way. A little, little commercial for next Sunday. We're going to talk about that pruning. And the reason that he prunes is that it may bear more fruits. It says, already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. But abide in me. That's where we're going to rest today a little bit. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. And whoever abides in me and I in him, it is that bears much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. But if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to me my disciples. So as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you, abide in my love. So if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. And these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. And this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now go, jump down to uh, verse 15. It says, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I made known to you. Okay, we'll, we'll stop there. That last part, by the way, I, I think is important. That the Christian life and the way Jesus is putting it here is you can live this life the way a servant does or you can live it like a friend does. Now, the friend never stops doing what the father's asking, but the difference there is a servant just does what he's told, but a friend not only does it, but understands why he's doing it, and that's important. You got to move from just doing things because, well, that's what I'm supposed to do, but begin to learn the heart of the Father, the heart of Jesus, as to why I'm doing what I'm doing, the why behind the what. And when you get that, it makes all the difference in the world. Because you'll discover that fruit is important. I don't have fruit sitting up here like I did last week, but I do have an orange. I think most of us are... 
understanding of just by looking at this, you know what this is. I don't have to tell you this is an orange. Not an apple, it's not, not a lemon, it's not a banana, it's, it's an orange. It, in other words, over time, it's hard to fake what's coming out of your life. Because eventually it's very evident what is growing from you. So not only is uh, it evident that this is an orange, but it's also evident of what the orange has grown from, which would be an orange tree, right? In other words, what comes from your life is evident to what you're really connected to, what you're really abiding in. You can't fake it. And, and Jesus is asking that we keep fruit, what grows from your life, in keeping with being his disciple. And the only way you grow that kind of fruit is you're really abiding in him because you can't grow this without him. Now, what he's actually using is you're either growing something or you're not. There's life or there's death can't fake this. See, a forgiven church must become a fruitful church. A spotless bride is to become a fruitful bride while we wait for his return. Now, can you forgive yourself? No. It is the work of the Father, through the work of Jesus. Amen. So you can't forgive yourself, you can't cleanse yourself, but once you are forgiven and once you are cleansed, once you are made new, with his help, because you can't do without him, there is an evidence that starts to come forth from your life because of that work in your life. You're not saved because of your fruit, but your fruit shows that you're saved. So a forgiven church must become a fruitful church. They, they go together. You can't have one without the other ultimately. Now, you, you can have, a, you, you can be the, the thief on the cross with Jesus. He was with Jesus in paradise that day because his life was over. But guess what? We're still here. We still have breath. We still have life. We're still living day to day in this world. Guess what? We're called to bear fruit. As long as you are breathing, you're called to bear fruit in keeping with your forgiveness, your salvation, your new creation. Amen. That's what we're called to do. Matter of fact, if you think you're a branch in him and you don't eventually start bearing fruit, eventually your branch gets cut where it withers and dies, but eventually it's gathered up and burned in the fire. So fruit is important. Now, here's the thing. Fruit is not behavior modification. Fruit is not trying to band-aid sin in your life or behavioral patterns that are not beneficial to you or of the Christian ethic. It's, it's not band-aiding those things. 
what happens is where there was death, there needs to grow new life. See what I'm saying? It's not band-aiding sin, but it's growing new life. And there's a world of a difference there. It's not behavior modification, just trying to do better, but it's actual growth. There is actual change. You become something that you were not. Your attitudes change. The way you see things begin to change. And the actions of your life begin to change. Your thought processes change. You change because you're abiding in him. And you can't abide in the source of life without new life coming. Not possible. It's not behavior modification, but it's the natural outgrowth of living in him. Because then the Holy Spirit is absolutely active in your life and working beyond your understanding more often than not to grow you into something. But there's a key here, what we want to talk about today is that word, abide. Now, by the way, let me just say this. I'm going to have uh, Noel back there throw a slide up for me in just a second. I think when it comes to growing fruit in our life, our worst enemy is not the devil. Our worst enemy is ourselves. He's, he's doing what he's doing. I get it. You need to be aware of his schemes and his plans. As a matter of fact, let me say this. Do you remember uh, when Jesus was talking with Peter and he says that the enemy desires to sift you as wheat? Remember that? Well, the word you there is actually plural in the Greek. So he was talking, he was addressing Peter, but he was giving a bigger picture. See, the enemy desires to sift you as wheat. You know that. He has a plan. He has a scheme. And part of what happens when you sift something is there is a separation happening. The devil wants you to separate from the abiding in Jesus. Because if he knows he can do that, you will be unfruitful. He desires to sift you. And his schemes and his plans are all about separation and drawing back into. So yeah, he's got a scheme, he's got a plan, you must be aware. But outside of that, the biggest struggle with growing fruit is going to be you. Because the reason is the devil can't force you to do anything. Ever hear somebody say, devil made me do it? Bull. I call bull. He can tempt you, but he can't make you. Every time I found myself in sin, I did it. I made a conscious choice to live that sin. The devil may have tempted. There may be something in front of me, but he didn't grab me by the back of my neck and force me to do something. He can't. He does not have that authority in my life. The biggest enemy to growing fruit is me or myself. If you're aware of that, it'll make you think a little bit. So to abide in Jesus. So Noah, if if you'll throw that slide up, please. To abide in Jesus is this. To stay. To exist and persist in him. To be holy and completely dependent. That's to abide. See, that, that word abide carries a connotation of remaining or staying to, uh, again, to continue to exist and to persist in. In other words, 
In Jesus, you got to hang out. You got to stay there so much so that you build a habitation there, build a house, build a tabernacle, however you want to put it. But you stay. Stay. And you exist there. And sometimes you got to persist to be there. And you got to learn how to be wholly dependent upon him because he is the, capital T-H-E, the source of life. You can be dependent on other stuff, certainly. I'm dependent on my wife for certain things. My wife does all the finances in our house. She could rob me blind, and I have no idea it's happening. She could. I trust her. I'm dependent upon that. We were just talking the other day because my, my dad's going through some stuff, and it's sort of end-of-life care coming. And uh, uh, I wasn't talking with her. I was talking to somebody else. I think it was maybe, maybe you were there. I don't remember. I said, I really don't know anything. If my wife was, for some reason, to pass away, she has a file with everything I need to know because I don't know anything. Who we have insurance with, when, you know, all that stuff, uh, life insurance, I don't have a clue. You know why I'm dependent upon her? She takes care of it. Kudos to her, right? You can be dependent upon certain people and certain things in life, but Jesus needs to be the, the source. And you got to learn to be wholly dependent upon him. That's abiding in him, staying in him, persisting in him. You get separated from him, it'll affect the growth of fruit in your life. What I want you to do, though, and I guess maybe the way I want to talk about this a little bit today, is I want you to learn how to stay through. Take up residence and not leave. Learn how to stay through because I, I'm not sure we're always good at that. In other words, you have to keep on keeping on. Now, there, there's a whole lot of things that you can do to learn him and to know him, to be strengthened in him, uh, to build relationship with him. And we know what those things are. We don't have to go way through them all. The scriptures. Prayer. Worship. Church. Uh, the fellowship with other believers where we find encouragement and bearing one another's burdens and all those things, right? You've got to learn how to stay through. Because... The worst thing you can do is to begin to be separated from the things that draw you to him and keep you in him. You often see, because circumstances of life, things are happening, everybody goes through life. Christianity is not living in a bubble where you're protected from everything, right? People go through stuff, and all of a sudden, they begin to be sifted as wheat. They begin to be separated from the source of life. Not praying. Not spending time in the scriptures. Your life of worship is drying up. You begin to isolate yourself from other believers where there was encouragement. Get spotty in church. 
See what I'm getting at? And, and these things that are ultimately there to keep you in him or help keep you in. Because you learn his presence. You learn him. The separation of these things causes the fruit to start to stop growing in a way it was. And by the way, the fruit often grows again beyond our understanding, right? You know why? Because we often want things now. I want, I want change right now. I want prayers answered right now. I want to stop struggling right now. I want this season of my life to be over right now. And when we don't start to see these things happen, we don't start to see results right now, we can begin to waver and eventually stop. We've got to learn how to persist through. Because that's the key. To continue to abide in him. To stay living in his presence, to stay attuned to the leading of the Holy Spirit, to stay in obedience to conviction, to abide in him. Because we live in a generation that wants things now. We don't want to wait. That's the only reason why you eat fast food. The only reason. Isn't that right? I mean, I'm, I'm, let me tell you something. If you give me a choice to sit down to a steak dinner at a steak restaurant, it's going to take, you know, 30 or 40 minutes to get seated, then another 20, 30 minutes to get my food, or go get a fast food drive through what do you think I'm going to pick? But why did I go over here? Because I wanted it a lot faster. Is it going to be better? No. Is it going to cost more? Yep. Time, patience, money, yep. But I just want something quick. I got I to keep moving in life. I'm busy. Things are happening. It's the only reason you go over there. You've got to learn how to stay through. And guess what? It may be some seasons, seasons, plural, seasons of staying through. Because we live in a society, we want everything now. Everything's at our finger. You can do anything you want to do on your phone anymore. Just, just do it right there. There's no processes involved anywhere for the most part. So we're conditioned to want to have everything that way. Let me tell you something about the kingdom of God. If you want to know about the kingdom of God, study a farmer and growing crops. That's the kingdom of God. That means it takes time. That means you can't force it. That means, and this is hard for us, you can't control it. That means you got to give up your dependence to him. So, so I am one of those people that I've, I've learned very much to be a, a delegator, very much so. I delegate a lot in the, in the jobs that I have, delegate a lot. But at the end of the day, I'm the person, and I just might as well do it myself sometimes. You know what I'm saying? 
If I want it a very much a certain way, I'm, I'm, chances are I'm going to grab that specific thing and just do it myself. That's just the way I am. Can't do that with God. You can't take it back from him and try to force things to happen. The fruit grows because with him, he's growing it in you, the work of the Holy Spirit, and you can't control it. And you can't force it. And you can't make the change happen. And you can't get yourself out of this season when you choose to get yourself out. You've got to learn to stay through. Abide. Take up residence. Listen, and not move. That's so key. So when you're in the seasons, let's say, it's not, it wasn't just a season, not just a couple seasons, not just, it was season. And you're wondering what in the world is going on in my life. And a lot of times we begin to get frustrated at God because things aren't happening when we want them to happen. Often one of the first things we do is get frustrated at him. And the whole time he's saying, just, just abide in me. You don't understand completely. Stay. But yet we start to waver. Again, our, our prayer life starts to dry up. Our time in the Word starts to dry up. Our worship starts to dry up. Going to church starts to dry up. Isolating yourself from other believers, you start to do those things. And what you're doing is the worst thing you could possibly do. Because the best thing you can do in those seasons is to stay and abide and keep hearing and keep obeying and keep there with him. Because it's often those seasons that the development of fruit in your life is the greatest. And we often think it's the opposite. It's in the tough season of your life that fruit is really beginning to be informed about certain things because who you are is often formed when things don't go your way. It's easy to be all hallelujah when life is great. Hey, I had a prayer answered. Life is good. I got to raise up my job. Amen. God blessing me. But what's going on when you don't feel like you're blessed? Are you blessed? Yep, you've been saved. Is God with you? Yep, you're blessed. But we think of it in different ways. It's in those seasons that really fruit is being formed in your life in keeping with his disciples. See that? But it's often those seasons when we begin to waver. We stop abiding like we should. We build a house, but maybe I'd like to find a different place to live right now. That looks better over there. See what I'm getting at? Here's why I want you to know, listen to me. That whole going from a servant to a friend is big with this. First of all, you only ever really understand the Father's heart when you abide in him. You'll never catch it if you're not abiding. You're just a servant. You're just trying to run around and do what you think you're supposed to do 
but you're not with him enough to learn him. You, you, listen, Christianity is not just doing what he wants you to do. Christianity is knowing him, and then there's an outgrowth of doing what he wants you to do. If you try to do one without the other, it's just tasks. It's just legalism. It's not going to get you anywhere. It'll dry up. See that? Abiding in him means you start to get to know him. By the way, isn't that the whole point of salvation? The whole point of salvation is reconciled relationship. The whole point of salvation is not, here's a list of things you're supposed to do. And we get it backwards. The point of salvation is to know him. And when I know him, wow, life takes on a new perspective. And now what it means to be a Christian is in its right light. I abide in him, I get to know him. And let me tell you something, when you're abiding him and, and you're knowing his heart, there still may be tough seasons that you don't understand, but you're not going to be so quick to run out of his presence. See that? I said this in church not long ago. You, you, often, you often will find people that when life is terrible and they're not really with Jesus, they may turn to him in those moments, right? But as soon as their life smooths out, they sort of disappear. But then you also have the opposite. There are people that have been in Jesus. Then they get in some seasons of some life where it's rough and and dry and it feels like nothing's happening, and then they exit the other way. And you see both. In both cases, both did not learn how to abide and stay through not only the bad season, but also the good ones. You need to be there for both. We don't turn to Jesus just when things are bad, nor do we turn from him when things are bad. You know what I'm saying? Be both. Stay. Abide. Because the fruit matters. I believe he, he is growing things in you, and I believe it's so much, well beyond your understanding of their growing. As a matter of fact, I'll, I'll say it this way. Um, I know we can talk about certain ways. You know, obviously, you're a person of Scripture, a person of prayer, all these things. Oh, yeah, yeah, these are things that help you grow fruit. But let me tell you something. You cannot put growing fruit in your life in a five-point sermon. I, I cannot uh, put it in such a way that if we just do these three or four things and all of these fruit will grow. Yes, the things we know we're to do, we're supposed to do, that partners with the work of the Holy Spirit. But yet, it only happens, fruit grows only when you learn how to abide in a certain way the Holy Spirit works in your life because you're abiding. It goes well beyond the five-point sermon. That makes sense. There is a working in your life that you just can't tidy up in a neat, nice box and wrap it up and put a ribbon on it. This is exactly how it works. How it works is you do what you know, you know you're supposed to do, but then abide. 
Because staying in him allows him to do what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, and how he wants to do it. And there's not many stories here that are exactly the same. See, Joe is growing fruit just like I am. Amen? You are? Yes, I know he is. But his process with God is a little bit different than mine, probably, as is Lorelai, who was just at youth camp and had a great time at youth camp, and God did things in her life. Amen? But he, growing fruit in her in a certain way. Because I'm older than Joe, but we're, we're sort of near the same place in life, kind of, but still our lives are different. We're going through different things and, and, and experiencing different things, and life is a little different. And certainly Lorelai and I are ages apart. I could almost be your grandpa, maybe. And... Uh, we're not in the same thing in life. But yet the Holy Spirit is working in them just the same as me if we abide. It works differently for each one of us. One salvation, but a million stories of it. Christianity is not a production line like you see in, in a factory. Everybody fit together just exactly the same way. Not like that. Different people, different personalities, different giftings, different backgrounds, different things you're coming out of, different ways life God is taking you. Amen. But he's doing it and will do it if you abide. Stay. Stay. And don't begin to waver in the stuff you know you're supposed to do in order to stay. Is the devil's trying to sift you as wheat, and then sometimes you're on your, your worst enemy and you listen to him. Amen. Philippians chapter 1. We'll head towards the end with this. Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 6. Here's something I believe with all of my heart. And, and if you will abide in him, this is what is happening in you. Paul encouraging the church in Philippi with this. I am sure of this, Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 6. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, salvation, will bring it to conclusion at the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, at his return. He is going to bring this whole thing to completion. Not only save you, but there will be the fruit growing in you, keeping with his discipleship. And then when he returns, the fullness of our salvation will be realized. He's going to complete the work if you abide. If abide. Stay. And the moment you feel like wavering, it's not about being legalistic. It's not about checking off these spiritual checklist everyday things you have to do. It's not like that. But the moment you feel like wavering and disconnecting and stopping, don't. Stay. Stay with him. Stay listening. Stay being led. Learn his voice. Amen. Then in the seasons that you, you feel like nothing's happening, when you look back later, you'll go, oh my goodness, look what was growing that whole entire time, and I had no idea. 
Who'd have thought? Amen? So a couple things. We're going to talk about the whole pruning thing next week. So, so come on back out and invite somebody out. A couple things. You notice where it was saying there that uh, when you bear fruit that lasts, that's long-term discipleship, fruit that lasts. And Father will give you whatever you ask in his name. That sounds very lofty. You know why that happens? It's because you're beginning to know his heart so the things you desire, the things you pray for, the things you're doing changes. You'll be praying all sorts of stuff, but it'll be right within the center of who he is. Amazing. But what he says with that also is not only is that going to happen, it's an amazing thing, but those that are bearing fruit, it glorifies God. I was saying this last week, but I want to say it again. I know I used Joe last week, so I'll pick on Sawyer this week. Some of you guys do this. I know I said this last week, but some of you guys do this. You're growing. How many have a garden? How many of you have been posting pictures on your social media of your fruit growing? Let me see. Anybody? Garden? Okay. You're like, I planted a tomato plant, and it's growing tomatoes. That's going on Facebook. You know what I'm saying? Wow, this is amazing. Look at my plants growing. You just feel amazing. It's something you're involved in. It's producing vegetables and fruit and whatever you're growing, right? You know God does that? See, when he sees, when he sees this young guy right here who's, it is like learning how to abide. And though he's, how old are you? 12 years old. 12 year old, I remember. Life can do all that stuff, right? But yet in the midst of all of this, there, there's this fruit in keeping with discipleship starting to grow. And he's learning how to abide. You know what? That glorifies God, and God's going, hey, just like you and your social media, check this out. Look at this guy right here. Look what's happening, and he ain't perfect yet. He's got a long way to go, but look, he's starting to grow some stuff. And there's pictures. God had a Facebook story be all over it. Look at, look at his life. And it glorifies, glorifies God. He delights. He delights, absolutely delights when the fruit is being grown. He thinks it's amazing. He said, he says, that which was dead, that which was producing nothing, that which was about to be gathered up and burned is growing life. And it's a miracle of God himself. And he delights in it. Even when sometimes Sawyer's like, hey, and he does something, you're just like, well, that wasn't being a Christian. He goes, okay. Even when life gets like this, God still sees the bigger picture of what's going on. Because he's learning how to abide and grow. It doesn't say if you're struggling to grow fruit that you're cut off and thrown away, it says when you're simply not doing it, then it's cut off. You may be struggling to grow it, but look, you're in the process. There is a harvest coming. Abide. Stay. 
See that? And it glorifies him. Glorifies him. He delights in it. And when he returns and gathers everybody up, there are some in the sowing of a seed, there's some that were just producing a 30-fold harvest. You know what? Get gathered up. And there are some people that being spiritual can be a struggle. But yet it's growing. There's some it's 60 fold. Guess what? They get gathered up, part of the harvest. And then the hundredfold. Gathered up, part of the harvest. But the point is, there's a harvest growing. The seed fell on some soil that took some roots. And this plan of the kingdom of God was growing in fits and starts, not perfectly. Through dry seasons and wet seasons and things where seasons were perfect. And it, it, but it, it was growing the whole entire time. Some seasons this big, some seasons this big, some seasons in between, some seasons when you didn't think it was growing, it grew a lot. Some when you thought you were progressing a lot, it grew a little. It's growing. And when he comes back again, he says, hey, did I find any faith on this earth? And a whole bunch of people said, yeah, I, was, I, I have faith. I was growing, even if it was a little bit, I'm growing. He said, come on, let's go. Harvest time. If you abide, if you stay, you don't get sifted, separated, stay, you're going to make it. We're gonna make it. He didn't say, hey, when I come back to the earth, will I find a bunch of perfect people? He's not gonna find it. When he comes back, he's gonna say, Am I finding any faith here? Belief, active trust. Am I gonna find that? He said, Yes, right here. Harvest time. Amen. Some of you gotta quit playing around, get back to abiding. Tell me if you got to stir yourself up a little bit. Judah contacted me, he was on vacation. I was, I was praying today and I just felt the Lord say, don't let the dust settle. Some of y'all have let the dust settle. And you knew when did the Holy Spirit to stir it back up. Some of you all have gotten lazy. Some of y'all have been minded about everything else but the kingdom. Some of you have allowed the seasons of your life to, to just kind of separate you out. Abide. Come back. Abide. Amen? The growth. Rejuvenated. The wonderful thing about God is he can take anything, 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 anything and bring life to it. That's what he does. He's the master gardener. And what the master gardener does is he cares for you. He's the best gardener there is. He's going to care for you. He's going to see you through. Amen.
Let's stand up. Everybody just, I just want you to close your eyes. Reason being, no distractions for a minute. I want you to think about you. Have you been distracted? Have you allowed yourself to be sifted out a little bit? Have you wavered? Have you been abiding in him? Have you taken up residence or have you been scattered? You make a choice before you walk out this door today, no matter what, I'm gonna exist in him, source of life. I'm gonna persist in him, I'm gonna stay, and I'm gonna learn what it means to be wholly dependent upon him. I'm gonna do that. Even if I don't know exactly how it's gonna work out or exactly everything to do, I'm gonna do it, and I'm gonna learn as I go. In Jesus' name, Lord, hear us this morning. Hear us. We desire you. And we want to be what you're calling us to be. Help us. Show us. Give us wisdom. I pray for those that are struggling in sin, Lord, that you empower them in such a way that you give them hope. They begin to take steps to overcome. Thank you, Lord, for that. That there is new growth happening where there is the deadness of life in those things. I thank you for that. Help us, help us, help us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. All glory to you. All honor to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so here's the thing. Margaret and I will be down here. Jude will be down here. If you have prayer that needs this morning, before you head out, we want to open you up to be able to come and, and join in prayer, okay? If not, Wednesday night, we're going to do some worshiping, longer worship on Wednesday night. So come on out for that. Next Sunday, we're going to continue in John 15. Be blessed. Bring somebody out to church, somebody that needs to know Jesus. Invite them out this week. Have a very, very blessed week as you go today.